This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you guys have been listening to Ask Women for a while, you probably know my voice associated with some cynicism, maybe some jokes you're not a fan of, or maybe you are a fan of because you've got great taste. Well, either way, I've come a long way from that cynical gal, and I'm doing amazing things helping guys get their banter and conversation skills on track, as well as making those dating profiles look not so terrible. Or dare I say good? No, dare I say great. I get them looking great. And I've been doing it long enough now that I'm seeing actual results coming in from guys that I've worked with. Like, you know, for example, engagements, things like that. I have to say, I feel pretty good about my skills. And those dudes do too. So if you want to be smooth and witty in conversation or smooth and witty in your profile, you know who to come and see. And that's me, Kristen. And I'm at kristenandchill.com. All of my stuff is up there if you guys want to hit me up and uh, get my help. So again, kristenandchill.com. Charm more than just her socks off. Want to know the hidden meaning behind what women say and do? Then check out the Chictionary. It's the Wing Girl Methods manual that gives you a full rundown of all the things women say that confuse men written in dictionary format. Go get a copy of the Chictionary by going to winggirlmethod.com slash chick. That's winggirlmethod.com slash chick. Coming up on this week's episode of the Ask Women podcast, we have Mike Macapinlack from Social Confidence Mastery talking about how to date as an Asian dude. And not just an Asian dude, but a guy who maybe isn't fully assimilated into the United States or wherever country you're in and how to really get in there so that you're blending in and appealing to all of the women there. So much awesome stuff, so many great tips and tricks. So keep listening. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Ask Women podcast. You made it here alive. Oh my God. You know what's funny is recently when I typed in Ask Women into my phone, Mask Women (laughs) autocorrected. So it was amazing because I don't know if it's now your phone knows you're saying mask all the time. But anyway, welcome to the Mask Women podcast. (laughs) I'm Kristen Carney, one of your hosts. Marnie is not here today, but you guys know I can hold down the fort pretty well, especially when I've got a guest that's so good that basically makes it no work for me whatsoever. So I have Mike Macapinlack back, who's from Social Confidence Mastery. And when we met in person, you like held true to exactly who you were when we did the podcast the first time with Marnie. Mm-hmm. And then... I was impressed because I never end up meeting people now that we do this over the internet. And so I was like, oh, he was so good on the podcast. We met in person. I was like, oh, he's super cool. Look at him. Because we didn't do this (laughs) with the video at the time. That's right. Yeah. So you're a cool dude. 
Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Well, the link that you sent me on our first recording didn't have the option to have video. So I'm not sure what happened there. Oh, that's probably, yeah. <laughs> that, that. Well, oh no, because we used to record on a different platform. Yeah. But now we've gotten more modern, I think. Exactly. Anyway, it doesn't matter. You're cool. <laughs> I'm not. And we're going through like a really, really, really weird time in history at the moment, given what's been going on with all the rioting, et cetera. And Marnie wanted to talk about dating as an Asian guy. Mm-hmm. So more race stuff, which could be bad news for me because <laughs> I tend to get a little politically incorrect and uh, it's gotten a little trouble on my Instagram, but I'm a lovely person. I didn't say anything wrong. Anyway, let's walk very carefully because I don't want to get demonized. Please, Mike, don't make me look bad. So you run socialconfidencemastery.com, which works yes. with STEM guys. Yeah. Okay. So mainly it's confidence building, but then tell me as like, obviously you're an Asian who's dated. So tell me like how those two intermix and yeah, go for it. Yeah. And and by the way, I just want to point out that Marnie and I chatted about this episode like many, many months ago before this whole thing happened. (laughs) You know, it's all coincidence, right? But uh, yeah, you know, kind of like what you mentioned, I work with a lot of STEM professionals. And if you can picture like an Asian or an Indian guy who's like a software engineer who lives in California, that's like a you know very typical student for me, which makes a lot of sense because I share a lot of my personal story on my YouTube videos and in, in my own podcast. You know, I've mentioned it in my books and stuff like that. And I think, you know, people just want to feel connected and understood. They want to get help from people who have like literally walk a mile in their shoe, you know, like, let's say, for example, you're a female, and then you're having dating issues. And, you know, obviously, you would want to get help from someone who understands where you're coming from, right? Like, I didn't mean it. I didn't mean to attract a lot of Asian and Indian clients. But just because, you know, like, the nature of who I am and my background, and I share that very openly, you know, as soon as I overcame any shame associated with my race, you know, because admittedly, at, at one point, I was embarrassed to be different. You know, I just didn't understand what made me so unique and special. And I just compared myself unfavorably to other people and sharing my experience, overcoming that insecurity. And now, you know, like having dated a lot of Caucasian women, I have a lot of Caucasian friends, you know, again, like it wasn't because I wanted to be friends with white people. You know, I live in Calgary, Alberta, which is a predominant... <laughs> you have no choice. <laughs> which is predominantly white, right? And I just wanted to do my best to assimilate so I can have a good experience as an immigrant, you know, like moving from Philippines, then Saudi Arabia, and then my current city. So, yeah. Your background is so diverse. And you had said before that you had worked really hard to get rid of your accent. Yes. So... I don't want to like promote needing to dull down like who you are, who people are. <laughs> like I'm not saying you have to sound, but I think that that was super important to you because when we spoke in person, you said one of the things that you focused on so much was getting rid of the accent. Why? Why yeah. was that so important? You know what? So I'm Filipino, right? Like when I first moved to Calgary, Filipinos are kind of like, there's this running joke and, and this is going to sound bad, but like, we're like dubbed as the Mexicans of Canada. So a lot of Filipinos do, you know, Better like than low the Mexicans level. of America. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of Filipinos do service industry jobs, right? Like they work at fast food restaurants. You know, a lot of them are nurses, they're caretakers and stuff. And, you know, like I have experienced a bit of 
prejudice as well, you know, especially when I first moved to Canada. So for me, like, I don't know if this was like an innate skill that I had, but I've always been really good at recognizing patterns. So my first job when I came to Calgary, I actually worked at Subway. That was my first job. And in McDonald's, I was like 16, 17. And I was like, this sucks, you know, like this can't be it. And there's nothing wrong with those jobs. It's just, it just wasn't for me. I feel like there's something more that I'm meant to do than just like this, right? So from then on, I started paying attention to other ethnic people who were succeeding, not just professionally, but socially as well. And a big thing that I noticed was they spoke really good English. So to me, like that became my biggest priority. I'm like, well, you know what? So I put two and two together. I'm like, you know what? If I'm going to have the same opportunities as the next Caucasian person in my city, I better make the most out of what I have. You know, like I can't be taller. I can't change my skin color. I can't change my face, but there are certain things that I can control. So I put all my focus and energy on those things and learning how to communicate well was one of them. The second one was my fitness. You know, like I started getting in shape. And number three was my style and grooming. You know, like I started to change the way I dress so I don't fit into specific stereotypes, right? You know what I mean? Absolutely. In your style, I mean, we're taping over the camera right now, so I can see you've got a super cool hat on and you've got a super <laughs> cool leather jacket on, and this is in your home. So yeah. you're taking this, not extreme, but you're taking it very seriously, where like you've made a decision to, I am this person and this is who I'm going to be, no matter what area of my life that I'm in right now, whether it's in my home or I'm on the street. And I think this, I don't know if this is super relevant, but I find that that is really helpful in dating because it shows authenticity or it shows consistency. And when someone like really sees who you are because you're constantly you, it's easier to like that person, I think, because it takes less work to try to figure them out. And so when I look at you, I know exactly who you are. You're a smart, hip, with a guy, successful, confident, cool. And I don't have to take any extra effort to go like, I don't know if he's going to be easy to talk to. You know, you just kind of bleed this natural ease about yourself. Oh, thanks so much. Well, to me, like it really comes down to just being intentional, right? Because at the end of the day, you know, like my personal belief is that you can use your style to even out the playing field. Again, given my experience working with a lot of Asians and Indians in the tech space, you know, like a lot of them, unfortunately, do fit the stereotype, right? You know, like they look like a programmer, they dress like a programmer, you know, like their posture, you know, they look like a question mark sideways and stuff. So to me, like, if you look like that, then you're going to be treated like that, right? So to me, like I use style to kind of counteract all the negative stereotypes. You know, for example, I know that for the most part, Asians are kind of deemed to be like effeminate and not edgy and they're soft-spoken and they're kind of nerdy. So to me, like, I want to counteract the negative stereotypes with style, you know? Like, that's why I wear a lot of edgier clothing, like leather jackets, darker colors and stuff like that. So when people see me, like, they see... Because there's also positive stereotypes of being an Asian, right? You know, smart, hardworking, good with money, you know, like, figures things out, stuff like that. So to me, like, I think that's good, you know, to have those positive stereotypes and whatever negative stereotypes you have, you can counteract that by dressing well, right? And not giving people the opportunity to pigeonhole you into this specific thing. And you can do that with your style. You can. It's like a control thing that I find to be healthy, but then can also kind of go like dangerous where it's like, you feel like you have to like erase everything about yourself, but it's really not that. It's finding 
the way that you stand out amongst a crowd. And that is important in dating, no matter what your race is to stand out because there's just a gajillion trillion people trying to date all mostly online. And so how do you stand out? So what was your process for like, once you got your speaking to the way you wanted it to be, and once you got your style down, then how long was it from there to confidence? And then the next step to dating chicks to then the next step of dating the chicks that you wanted to date? Sure. And I will say one thing before I answer that question. With regards to online dating, you know, from my experience as an Asian guy, like I personally just didn't have as much success dating online compared to meeting people in person. Because I feel like, again, that stereotype is still, even though I've changed my style and my grooming, it's still more pronounced online. And if I meet someone in person, I feel like, you know, like I'm short, you know, compared to most guys, right? Like average height in North America is 5'9", I'm only 5'5". And I feel like I can only convey so much of my personality with pictures and words in online dating. And I feel like if I meet people in person, I'm able to stack the odds on my side, right? Because I feel like I can exude more of my personality, you know, like my charm, you know, like my wittiness and my humor, you know, it's hard to make that come across with a bunch of text because you're literally robbing people of all the other senses, which makes something funny contextually. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I do help people with that. So you can be funny online, but it is harder for certain people. And I've actually been finding that I'm pushing away from online dating, at least for a little while, because what I'm realizing is in my journey to sound kind of annoying, but in my like dating journey, I've found that I just really need to connect with someone on a personality level that you can't really sense online. And you, if you can't sense it, it doesn't come through. And I'm not really able to, I think, put the energy into trying to make it work right now. So online sometimes just doesn't work either for a certain person or a certain phase in your life. So did you start going to date in person? Were you doing approaching? Yeah. So to me, there's a big, again, before I answer your question, I just want to explain this one thing. I think there's a big difference between being effective and being efficient, right? You know, like efficiency is getting things done right away. Effectiveness is getting the right things done, right? And to me, again, like this is where my engineering background comes into play. You know, like to me, I I look at cause and effect, right? If I do this, then this happens. And, And if I want this to happen, what does the input need to be for the outcome to be this way? When I started to put more effort into attracting a higher quality girlfriend, instead of just, you know, like kind of playing the field and having fun, I started to think like the most fulfilled I've ever been in relationships, right? I started to like think like, what were those moments? And like, where did I meet those girls? You know, like what kind of interactions did we have and stuff like that? And time and time again, every single quality girlfriend that I've had, I met in person compared to online dating. So now like I put two and two together. I'm like, okay, well, if I want to date someone, of this quality and experience this type of feeling again in a relationship, I think I'm better off meeting women in person. You know, like, yes, I understand that I'm limited with proximity, like with whatever's around me compared to online where you can reach people like an hour away from wherever you're located. But to me, like more isn't always better, right? Like it's about quality, not quantity. So to answer your question, once I started to figure out communication skills and in my style, you know, like the third thing really was like unwiring all the negative beliefs that I've had, you know, like letting go of the shame, accepting who I am as a person, being vulnerable, you know, like allowing myself to be seen and like telling people that, yeah, I worked at Subway as my first job, you know, like I was poor, I didn't have a lot of money and like embracing my quirks, you know, like 
whenever I go to people's houses, I bring my own slippers because that's like a, a very Asian thing. <laughs> my friend in Austin who I stayed with, you know, like I stayed with him for a while and he's like, why are we wearing slippers? And I told him the story, like, this is like custom, it's tradition back home. Like you don't walk around the house barefooted, you know? So like, I started to like embrace my own quirks and I talked about them with conviction. And, and then when I realized that the right people will like me for who I am and, you know, people who are not meant to be in my life, I'm going to push them away by being my most authentic self. Yeah. Then that's when I felt more comfortable in my own skin. Yeah. Oh my God. That's like something I feel like everyone needs to work on is just being comfortable with your authentic self and like stop trying to please everybody. The more you try to please people, the less you'll please yourself and the less happy you'll be. And then this, if we go back to like thinking like a STEM guy, the less like input you'll be able to put in to get out the good or result that you're looking for. So when you got comfortable with yourself. I'm basically trying to get to, and I know guys listening are going, just ask the freaking question. How were you approaching women? What did you say? What were you doing to get them to talk to you and to get your number or give them your number? Sure. So first things first, I got really clear on like what kind of women I want to date, right? You know, like not just looks wise, like it's funny because like a lot of, just from my experience, you know, and there's the whole community around this called AMWF, like Asian male, white female. Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah, there's like a whole obsession of like Asian guys wanting to date white girls. And I think it's just like, because they're different, you know, like to them, white girls are exotic, whatever. But to me, like, I didn't like intentionally go out of my way to like date white girls. You know, like, again, there's just more of them in my current city. And number two, I found that my core values just like match better with them, right? You know, like a lot of Asian girls, again, just from my experience, you know, I'm only speaking from my experience because I lived in Vancouver too, which is the opposite. A lot of Asian people there. A lot of Asian girls that I met just didn't fit my core value. Like a lot of them were so traditional. Like they want to get married, pop kids, you know, like live in a white picket fence house. I'm just like, I'm so non-traditional that like, even though like, yes, I found some Asian girls attractive, we just didn't jive, right? On a core value level. Yeah, I'm working with a guy for banter stuff and he's a white guy who's really into Asian girls. And sure. he's really, really, really funny. So when he is bantering with the white chicks, it seems to land a lot better. He's in Australia. So he banters mm. with the white chicks. It lands a lot better, but he's not super into them. And then when he puts something out to most of the Asian girls, because he sends me, when we meet up for our banter sessions, he sends me like a document full of all the approaches that he's done online. So I see like each time like 10 different openers that he's doing with girls. And I would say like nine out of 10 times, the funny stuff does not land for the Asian girls and they stop responding. Exactly. And so, yeah. So we talked about like working on being a little bit more traditional yet trying to embrace who he is so that maybe he can show that further into the conversation where they're more prepared for the humor. Yeah. So you do have to approach people differently. Exactly. There's this uh, story that I heard. I forgot which audiobook I was listening to. It's basically this guy who delivered his skit in front of this crowd and like no one was laughing. And then he was like beating himself up, right? And later on, he knows me. (laughs) (laughs) And then he realized that the crowd he was performing his act on was like a bunch of Italian tourists who didn't speak English, right? And we chatted about this when I had you on my podcast. You know, like a big part of being funny is being relatable, right? Like your humor needs to land like with whoever you're talking to. So if you're an Australian guy chatting with an Asian girl, then you got to put yourself in her situation. You know, like how does she see the world? You know, like what kind of perspective that she has that I can consider? Because at the end of the day, it's not about changing your identity. It's about expanding your identity, right? 
staying true to yourself, but also being empathetic and putting yourself in another person's situation so you can be relatable, yeah, you know, which absolutely. is what we all want, right? To be understood. Yeah. And I think because we all have a little ego and not in a negative way, but people like to feel seen. And so when you exactly. see someone, they appreciate that and they open up a bit easier. Exactly. Like, for example, you know, as an Asian guy, like I'm fairly soft-spoken, you know, like I'm very like mild-mannered and stuff like that. But then if I wanted to come across attractive towards North American girls, I needed to amplify specific parts of my personality, you know, like amplify the edginess, speak a little bit louder, but not too much though, because now I'm trying to pretend to be someone or not, but like amplify specific parts of my personality to be appropriate. It's almost like water. If you put water in something, it's still water, but it will take the shape of what it's in. Yeah. So you can kind of be a little bit like water, not don't change who you are, but be a chameleon in a sense or or be able to adapt. Yes. And you'll be so much better off. And I will say, so you just said, like speaking to North American women, you might have to like talk louder, be maybe a little bit more out there. And when we met in person... What I got from you was like a very North American kind of vibe, but I got from you like a sexy vibe. Like you have something sexy about you. And I wish I could maybe articulate it. What about you? Why are you sexy? Why are you making me go, oh, he's sexy? I don't know. You tell me. (laughs) I think you're holding yourself in a certain way Mm. and you're self-assured. And that mixed with the style and you're attractive, it all comes together really well. So... The tone of voice, I think, just it made me think of that because I remember when we spoke, I felt like you were being like, hey, let's talk later. You were kind of like not pushing me by any means, but you were there. And so it wasn't easy to like just like kind of go, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. It was like, oh, you had a presence about you. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. So beyond like a voice intonation, what can someone do to have more of that presence? So we've got style, we've got voice. Well, And again, I'm just giving this advice specifically to given the topic of the podcast, you know, like Asians and Indians, right? Like, I think the biggest thing is, and you nailed it, Kristen, you know, like being comfortable in your own skin, right? Like whatever it is, whoever you are, you know, like accept yourself, embrace yourself. And don't get me wrong, like there's a big difference between like being complacent and accepting where you're at, but then still aspiring to be a better version of yourself. Does that make sense? Like, Like if your quote unquote true self is like, lazy, you like to play video games and you just want to stay at home, then like, then yeah, like then don't be authentic. You know, like that's right. Because, yeah. Then you want to change yourself. That's not going to get you anywhere. Right. You know, at the end of the day, you always want to assess systems over goals, right? Like is the system that you're doing, achieving the goal that you want. And if yes, then keep doing it. And if not, then change something. Right. So to answer your question about, and you're asking presence specifically, because there are certain things that like, how you act and like how you move. And then there's your overall vibe as a person. And you can't really fake that, you know, like, because the thing is like, there's certain nonverbal gestures that you'll do that will betray you if you're trying to fake it, right? Like if you don't really feel comfortable in your own skin and you're, let's say like you're chatting with someone that you're super attracted to, maybe you'll laugh a little bit too long or maybe you'll have this rising tonality intonation and maybe you'll agree a little bit too much. You can only fake outward expression for so long. Like you really have to like 
sit down and think of like, what's so good about being Asian? What's so good about being Indian? You know, like what are some great things about being Chinese or my ethnicity or Filipino or whatever? So I, I think it's when you start to feel comfortable with that and you fully internalize that you're not less of a person just because you're short or you're darker or like you look different. You're not better or worse. You're just different. Does that make sense? And like specific people will be attracted to that. Right. So if you're someone who is wanting to date, because I, I want to talk about like dating like non-white girls too, just like dating in general. Sure. But if you are an Asian dude or an Indian dude or a black dude and you're trying to date a white girl, how do you approach that in the first conversation? So maybe you are where you are, where there's not a lot of different minorities and it's mainly white. So it's obviously a thing. If you're somewhere more metropolitan, then it's not as much of a thing. But do you like call it out in the first opening banter? Do you pretend it doesn't exist? Like, what, How do you address it? If you think that that person is thinking like, oh, this is an Asian dude hitting on me. And you know what, Kristen? Like, from my experience, like every white girlfriend that I've had, they've told me specifically, they're like, I've never dated an Asian guy or like, I've never even considered dating an Asian guy. And knowing what I know now about dating and attraction, you know, we all know that attraction isn't a choice, right? You know, there are, sometimes you will just like feel it and it doesn't matter if this guy's like five, five or six, five, you know, like there's just something that this person is doing that's making you attracted towards that person. And if we can break it down again, we've mentioned this already being self-assured, being sure, like speaking your mind, that, that's a very attractive thing. Dressing well to a certain point. There is a point of diminishing returns. Like you could be too overdressed to the point where you're now intimidating other people, right? Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like you want to be dressed enough so people take you seriously, but not too much so you come across... Not you're not the, showing up in a tuxedo to a baseball game. Like exactly. it's, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But you're, you're not talking literally clothing-wise. Are you using that as a metaphor or for real? Like for real, like there, there's a okay. certain, there's a point of diminishing return with clothes. Like you can, you know, I, I, yeah, like dress enough so that people take you seriously, but like don't pass that, then you got to move on to other things. So like the other thing would be kind of like what you teach, like learning how to banter, being lighthearted. Cause I feel like in our culture, like being Asian or like Indian, I find that a lot of them are very serious. Yeah. And most of my banter clients are STEM guys. There you go. Yeah, super serious, right? And given them background, like a lot of them, if you think about it, if you think of a typical day of like a, an engineer programmer or developer, they're using like the logical side of their brain, right? And unknowingly, they use that same side when they're interacting with members of the opposite sex, yeah. which causes them not to be attracted or be attractive because they're so right. logical and attraction is an emotional process. So are you calling it out? Are you saying like you're growing up to a girl that you think is really cute and pretty and you're talking to her at the bar and you're like, you ever dated an Asian dude before? Like, do you say that? I don't really bring it up because just to me, like these days, I just don't think it's an issue. I'm just like, look, I think you're cool. Right. You're attractive. You just happen to be of this look, right? You know, like I don't particularly mean to exclude or include other people. It's just like, I think you're cute. You're well-dressed. You have a good vibe about you. You know, like you could have been another race, but... Again, given my current situation, it's just like what's available. And again, for the most part, our values just do line up because most white girls are non-traditional and I just get along with them better, right? In that sense. Yeah. So you're really going with like a gut, true yeah. connection, intuition. Exactly. That's awesome. That's really, really cool to know because then it eliminates a step because that's kind of scary to have to call it out. And obviously, if someone wanted to, they could. Like, I think we spoke about being short recently in another episode. And we talked about like, do you call it out when you talk to the girl, like when you're approaching her? 
say like, you ever date a short guy before? That kind of stuff. And so I think doing whatever makes you most comfortable in the situation probably is the best way to start approaching. And then once you get more comfortable with approaching, you won't need to rely on crutches of like feeling like you have to maybe give a disclaimer. Like for me, basically, like none of this is the same scenario whatsoever, but I actually went out with a guy once before and I saw a picture of his ex-girlfriend and we just looked nothing alike. Like she was this like blonde, but she was like this like tan Brazilian sex pot. He asked me out and I literally was like, I'm not your type. Like, I'm not your type. And he's like, don't tell me what my type is. I know what my type is. <laughs> and I'm like, but I saw your ex-girlfriend. And so for me, sometimes I feel like to make myself comfortable with it, I was uncomfortable. I was trying to justify like, wait, does this guy actually want to go out with me? Or am I... Like, is he joking? Is he kind of like pulling a prank on me? So I get to do that to make myself comfortable. And then his response made me super comfortable because he was like, you're my type. Shut the F up. And now let's go on a date. So I do think whatever makes someone comfortable in the moment, but as you go and you do that more, like if I had gone on date with guys like him more, I wouldn't have probably gone like, wait a second, are you sure? And I'm sure that wasn't an attractive quality for when I did it, but it got me through the moment. Got it. So I think when you begin, what gets you through that moment, but then six months down the line, when you're more experienced, you don't have to rely on those crutches of what just to get you through the moment. I think to me, like that's like saying like, oh, do you date guys with dark hair like it's just not an issue and and to me like i just never saw and again this is like after many years i'm in my 30s now mind you like I, mike now what you're doing is you're making me look bad <laughs> when people are gonna call me racist you know what you're doing oh you should let Dakota out you're racist oh, god fuck me in the ass all right anyway so sorry keep going no i, I was saying <laughs> i just don't think it's an issue personally and this goes back to what i've said like a few moments ago that i had done a lot of work to embrace whatever shame or or negative beliefs or hangups that I had mentally about being short, being Asian, whatever. Like, I just didn't think it's an issue these days. Like you should see most of my friends are towering over me. Right. But like, not once did I bring that up or not once did they bring it up, you know, like we just treat each other like we're people of equal value because I think that's just what it is, you know, like, and you did the work to basically get to a point where like me, where I'm like, I feel like I'm out of shape. I'm not blonde. I'm not tan. I feel like I've done no work on myself. You know, if people saw me, what I look like right now, taping this podcast. So because I haven't done any work on myself at that point, when he said, do you want to go out? I defaulted to like an insecure place. But when you do the work and you're confident as a foundation, then you won't feel the need to fall back on those things. Exactly. Exactly. And also you got to keep in mind, like people's preferences change just because they dated a particular look or type of girl, like, you know, way back when, and their preferences do get updated, right? They're like, oh, cool. Like I dated this girl. I like this about her. I don't like this about her. And I think with my next relationship, I would want more of these traits. And maybe these old traits that I thought were important, like IE, hair color, you know, skin color, whatever, maybe they're not as important. You know, like maybe I would want to put more emphasis on humor, good conversation, similar interests, you know, like spirituality, whatever, right? You know, openness of mind, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to talk more about that in one second. We're going to take a quick break and probably hear from maybe a sponsor that's betonline.com. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just super smooth. I think, well, no, it's betonline.ag. They're doing like TV bets and like sports bets and stuff so that people who can't really get to Vegas and stuff like that right now can still bet. So anyway, listen to them, but it's just going to be me talking about them. So anyway, we'll see you back here in just a second. 
There is no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partner, Bet Online. Sports are slowly making their way back with the UFC, NASCAR, and soccer leading the way. Bet Online has all the best odds, lines for the upcoming matches this weekend. Need more? Bet Online has simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC happening every day live for you to check out. Looking for something else other than sports? Bet Online has hundreds of live casino games, poker tournaments, and all the best props in the business. Visit betonline.ag or use your mobile device and join now to receive your new welcome bonus and start playing today. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. I host a podcast called Kristen Chill, which was at one time called Mentally Chill, which was all about mental health and depression. So I know firsthand how bad depression and mental health problems can be. And having a good therapist is crucial for you to be able to get out of this hole that you may be a felon. And that's where BetterHelp comes in. BetterHelp is therapy at your fingertips. You can send a message to your counselor at any time and you'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you get that routine, which is so invaluable to your mental health. Plus, it's affordable and convenient. If you don't believe me, check out their testimonials on their website. I want you to start living a happier life today. And as a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com slash askwomen. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. And we need it more than ever right now. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash askwomen. All right, I'm back with Mike and hopefully you guys just heard me talk about a sponsor that I just made sound so glowing and amazing. And so when we left off, we kind of left off on the topic of confidence a bit mixed in with approaching. But I know that you said online doesn't really work for you. For me, for my experience. yeah, Yeah, but because so many guys are online dating, what advice can we give them about online dating? I would say... And again, you know, like I'm just speaking, let's say like you are a person of color and you want to date people outside of your race. So again, I'm just giving that blanket statement, but you know, given this specific example, it's just an example. Let's say you're an Asian guy wanting to date a white girl. Step number one is put yourself in her shoes, right? Like what would be considered attractive in her eyes, right? And again, it's not about being someone you're not. It's not about changing your identity. It's about expanding your identity, right? You know, the same example, like if you want to get an accounting job, then you better have accounting qualifications, right? If you want to date someone outside of your race, then you need to put yourself in her shoes and, you know, make sure you have the qualities and traits that she would also find attractive. So that's number one, be empathetic, put yourself in her shoes. Number two is then you adjust your appearance accordingly, right? Like maybe you get a particular kind of haircut or you groom yourself in a specific way or you change your outfit, you know, like maybe you wear particular types of clothing more, right? To emphasize specific traits about you. And then the third thing is, again, understand that attraction isn't a choice. It's an emotional process. I believe it was David D'Angelo who said that. And if you can learn from Kristen and like learn how to banter, you know, like improve your sense of humor, be lighthearted, just be more easygoing with your approach in dating, I think you're going to attract a wider range of girls, right? Instead of being so serious and methodical and logical all the time. Yeah, I think that's really important. Big step in online dating. If you speak casually, especially as an Asian or an Indian, if you speak casually, not in the formalities of like, hello, how are you? Yes. 
that will eliminate a huge barrier. <laughs> Even if you're not in a call center, you're like you're in an online dating right. site, not to sound, you know. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. You said it, never. but it's really true. It's all of a sudden like you become way more humanized in a sense when you're like, what's up? What's going on? Yeah. Become more relatable. Yeah, you're real. You're a real human being. And when you also aren't afraid to show energy or emotion or something as I think like the polite side of things isn't appealing to the North American girl necessarily. Okay. I just want to add to that. I think there's a time and place for it because sometimes when you're overly polite, then you come across supplicating, right? You know, which is, yeah. that's why for me, like when I learned dating and attraction when I was younger and I just moved to North America, I didn't have a lot of success because I didn't trigger the emotional responses of girls here because my approach was still as if I'm dating in Asia. You know what I mean? So polite. It's so polite, you know, like super, like just not edgy, you know, like not wanting to like ruffle any feathers and stuff like that. And also, again, putting a lot of emphasis on assimilating. Like I remember back in high school, Kirsten, someone said in the class, you know, like back in high school, someone said, yo, that's sick. And I took it literally. I was like, oh, like, does he need medicine? So like, I was an outcast. You're like an old white lady being like, whoa, you know, not knowing the slang terms. Exactly. That's why it's so important to assimilate, be empathetic, you know, like be in the know, like understand what's happening. So like when people see you, like they don't see you as a foreigner. They don't see you as someone who's different. They see you as someone exotic, you know, if that makes sense. Exactly. Yeah. So I've heard this over the course of many years, but what is your take on names for online dating, if you have a very, very, very ethnic name, what do you do for online dating? Because I think for white women, that's a sign of like, this person is not assimilated in this culture. We're very from very different places. We're very different people. So you don't want to change who you are, but you've got a very strong ethnic name. What do you do in that case online? That's interesting because I've just always used my real name and like you've tried to pronounce my last name. But you're Mike. Macapilla. Yeah, but Mike, it's a cool name. And to me, it doesn't. <laughs> Mike, M with a Y, you're M-Y-K-E. So you're cool dude. Because cool dudes spell their name with a Y. <laughs> so it's like if I saw M-Y-K-E, I'd be like, who's this cool, suave guy that's about to come through the door? Mm-hmm. So you don't really, I don't think that yours would appear in that sense to be. I think I would just say, and again, I may not be the best per. Maybe you should ask me some in-person approaches too, so I can give more <laughs> legit advice. But you know, like I would just assume that you know, like if your name is hard to pronounce, then you know, try to make it shorter, right? Like for example, I've got a friend. He's got a super long Indian name, and he just calls himself Sunny, right? Because it, it's much yeah. easier to pronounce and stuff. So would that be weird if like his name was not? Sonny to the people in his life already, but the girl met him as Sonny and he put it up there and he had to reveal like, you know, well, no one calls me this now that you know me. What's well, a username, right? Like I know some people would create like... Yeah, that's yeah. a great way to look at it. Yeah. It's a username, you know, like you meet in person. Yeah. And again, like, you know, looks only matter just to get your foot in the door. Once you're in the door and you're able to like talk about other things and like, you know, like your opener or your name or like however you introduce yourself. It doesn't matter as long you've broken the ice, you're, you're already talking, you're showing your personality, you're making her laugh, you're talking about things that interest you, you're relating with her, you're triggering her emotional response. And like, really, your username doesn't matter, right? Right, right. And actually, now that you say username, today I was helping a guy whose username on Hinge, well, I won't say the whole thing, but it was something about bacon. <laughs> 
And I said, because he sent me the opening exchange that they had. And I said, okay, what made her say something about bacon? So obviously, if something was in his profile that made her say bacon, he said, well, my username is da-da-da. And I actually forget that you can adjust your names on the app where it is a username. So yes, okay. So you just said, let me give like approach advice or something like that. What's the way to open? Like you just said, be edgy in your openers or let me talk about the opening advice. So give me your like cool openers. Okay, before I talk about the opener, let me talk about something that most people don't talk about, but I think is more important than the opener, right? I think it's logistics. Like where you go to meet people really does make a huge difference, you know, like for example. Okay, so we're not talking online. We're talking in person. In person, right now. In person yeah. Okay. Yeah. So like, for example, I know someone who is 5'3, shorter than me, you know, Asian, but he crushes it with girls because he just knows where to meet people in a way that suits his personality. Like, he's into fitness, you know, like he does CrossFit, like all these things, like weightlifting stuff. So imagine if, like, you see this, like, short dude soft-spoken as well, trying to meet girls at bars and clubs, right? Like he'll be drowned out by music and like everybody else. So instead of putting himself in that situation, he's like, oh, I, I wonder like which situation I'm able to like demonstrate my value more, you know, like my passive value, right? You know, like I can show off like my strength and like my techniques with lifting and stuff like that. So he meets people at the gym, you know, group fitness classes, you know, that kind of stuff. And he does really well because first of all, those are people who he has more things in common with anyway, right? And number two, he's again, he's able to show off like what he's good at. So he's in a better position to meet girls because he's demonstrating value in advance, right? So for me personally, like I've met all my girlfriends in coffee shops, believe it or not. Like every, oh. every single girl that I've dated, I met. Because you're great at drinking coffee. You show off your coffee <laughs> drinking skills. <laughs> I normally do a lot of my work. I, I do a lot of my writing in coffee shops. I edit my podcast. I edit my YouTube videos. I do my writing. I sometimes reply to emails. You know, I just don't like being in the house for too long. I'm in coffee shops a lot too. Yeah, exactly. So to me, like if I meet someone who's there between like 10 a.m. and 3 p.m., like most people are at work. So there's a good chance that she also lives an unconventional life. And time and time again, and, and your opener doesn't have to be super clever. You're just like, hey, what are you working on? You're just making a situational opener. But because you went to the right place to begin with, then finding commonality and starting... Because believe it or not, starting a conversation is not as important compared to how much commonality can you find with this person as quickly as possible, right? Like you can open with, hey, how are you? And that's fine. As long as you can pivot the conversation into finding common interests as quickly as possible. Yeah, you never want a conversation to feel like it's not going somewhere. Like it should feel like it's a car with a destination yes. and you're steering it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So what did you say to like your current girlfriend that made her take notice? Oh, so with my current girlfriend, I met her in a coffee shop. So this is what happened. So I was with my guy friends. We just finished an improv class and I saw her come in and like, I just have a thing with when girls are wearing like a nice fitting leather jacket, it just catches. Yes. I'm just like, oh, who is that girl? You know, she's wearing this mm -hmm. like nice leather jacket. And she was with a girlfriend at that point. They were like chatting and stuff. So I'm like, ah, oh, should I approach? Like it's like two in the afternoon, like middle of the day. And then it's quite a busy coffee shop. So I was like, I mulled it over for a little bit, but then like I was with my friends. So I'm like, ah, oh, I'll think about it later. Then we left the coffee shop and then I stopped and I told my friends, I'm like, guys, there's this chick inside and I just, I think I'm going to go back and say something. So I went back in and said something, you know, I said like, Hey, I don't mean to bother you guys. You know, I, I know you guys are catching up, 
So that's number one. You got to show social intelligence, right? Like you you are bothering them. They are catching up. So address that quickly. So you don't come across, you know, socially disconnected. You're like a zombie just standing behind her <laughs> waiting to cut into conversation. Yeah. And I just said, I was sitting at that table 30 minutes ago. I saw you come in and I thought you were cute. I already left, but I just wanted to go back and introduce myself because I would hate to miss the opportunity to do so. And she's That's like, cool. Yeah, that was it. It was super honest. I came across socially aware. Like that. It wasn't fancy. Totally. Right? Yeah. yeah. You're like, hey, I'm a guy. I've got some real feelings. I saw you. Don't want to take up too much of your time, but here's this. So did you give your number right there? She gave me or her card. Did she, give you- she gave me her card. She did. Cool. She gave me her card. I texted her a couple of hours later and then we set up the date the week after. And then, yeah, the rest was... Because, you know, she's with her friend, right? Like, I want to respect that too. Yeah. Right. Totally. And then you also don't want to make the friend feel too bad where it's like... You're not attractive to me, <laughs> ugly girl. Go away. Because girls will feel that. And all of a sudden, there's now there's a rivalry between the two of them. And she'll be like, oh, next time I should wear a leather jacket. So I did say to the friend, like, you're cute too, but I just have a thing for leather jackets. Oh, good. Yeah. Okay. I love that. I love that. So when you did send her your first text, and we'll wrap it up after this. When you did send your first text, what did it say? Because guys ask me this all the time. They're like, I got her number. Now what do I say? My texting quote unquote game is so boring. It's just like literally like confirming that we met, setting up the logistics. Cause I feel like so many things get, it gets lost in translation when you're texting too much. Right. You know, so to me, like if the conversation could be had on a phone call, then pick up the phone, you know, or, or ideally like have it in person. Right. To me, I think the role of texting is to just set up the logistics and like when, where, what time, and then that's it. Right. You know, like you want the initial interaction to take over the majority of, of the load for you. And you just want texting as a support, right? For, from the initial work that you've done to get her attracted. Totally. But like you said, being socially aware, someone like me, texting is huge. Mm. I'm a big texter. I like getting a rapport going in text. If they can't <laughs> keep up with me in text, then I'm not interested. That's, so you do have to read your audience. I want to say something may. about that because she was the same way. She said like, ah. yeah, yeah, she like misinterpreted my lack of texting as if I'm being cold or aloof. So I explain to her like this is what communication means to me this is what texting means to me and this is like my preference you know like as long as you communicate like what you're all about and like what things mean to you i think for the most part most people would at the very least not take it personally right and understand it yeah so someone like me to set the stage if i got a, a guy in person to approach me and i liked him enough or i gave him my number i would say to him or maybe the guy that i'm into would say to me something like okay, now the test part comes. See if you can keep up with me in text because I'm like the text queen or the text king or something. So you can put that out there so that they're not hit. Like if it was a guy that I was seeing and all of a sudden I'm texting him a lot and that's not his norm. He might be like, why is she texting so much? So you kind of set the stage with maybe something revealed beforehand of the style you communicate in a fun, playful way. And then you're on the same page. One thing that I learned too is that I read this book called, you know, The Five Love Languages. And I think that applies not just in romantic relationships, but in friendships as well. Because, you know, like people really do express and receive affection in so many different ways, right? So I think it's just good to like not assume anything in the beginning, you know, just like have an open mind because sometimes, let's say, for example, you know, like let's say, you know, hypothetically, like you and I met and, you know, I'm an entrepreneur and you text a lot, right? Like, 
just so you know, my norm is my phone is in my bag for the most part and it's on silent. It's so healthy. Oh my God. I'll go through like an entire day, like not even looking at my phone and then I'll see it and then I'll have like missed calls and missed texts or whatever. You know what? (laughs) You earned that leather jacket you're wearing because that's badass. (laughs) To be that cool that you can leave your phone away for like 20, you know, 12 hours. Man, you earn it. But I tell people, I tell people that like, look, this is what you can expect from me, right? For example, like I'm chatting with you right now. Like we could have been like hanging out and, you know, like having a conversation. If my phone rang, I don't care if it was my girlfriend or or whoever. I'm like, look, I'm with someone right now. I want to give the person I'm with my full undivided attention because I think it's a sign of respect. And now if I'm with my girlfriend and you call me, then you'll also get the same treatment because you know that I'm with another person, you know, like I can't divide my attention. How dare you touch me? <laughs> Your girlfriend, uh, take a walk. <laughs> well, that was so much information, so much awesome stuff. And so people can find you at Tell Me Everything because I know the podcast, the website, you do so much stuff. Yeah. So first of all, thank you so much for having me back on the podcast. Hey, you're awesome. I, thank I you so you. much. I had so much fun being on the podcast before. I've actually had a lot of guys reach out to me. So that was really cool. But yeah, you know, for everyone who's hearing about me for the first time, make sure you check out my other interview on the Ask Women podcast. I don't know what interview number that was, but uh, if you want to find out more about me, just visit my website, socialconfidencemastery.com. I've got a free cheat sheet for engineers, programmers, and developers to help you approach and talk to anybody. You can download it on socialconfidencemastery.com. I'm most active on Instagram at Social Confidence Mastery. You can hit me up there. And I also have a YouTube channel, same name. And check out my interview with Kristen on the Social Confidence Mastery podcast if you want to learn how to be witty and funny. Yes. Awesome. Thank you for the sales pitch. So I don't have to do it for myself. <laughs> so every week we put up new episodes on Thursdays. We've been around for a while. So you guys know that by now. But if you don't know that, that's when you can look for it. Hit subscribe, hit five stars on iTunes, share the show with a friend. Hit me up at kristenandchill.com if you need help with your banter skills. And uh, be sure to check Mike out. Until then, stay alive, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> so we will see you guys next week. Bye.